0: Amen, amen. Well, I forgot when I was doing the uh, announcements to tell you why we're wearing masks this morning, Jan and I, but um, our daughter was supposed to go back to Hong Kong on Friday and before she gets on the plane, she has to have a PCR test for COVID, uh, and she took the test, and it came back positive to all of our surprise. Because she's still not symptomatic. She's had the test done three times and has to uh, still stay in uh, quarantine, and we're all living in the same house, but Uh, We've taken the test uh, a few times ourselves. I even took one this morning just to make sure, but we're all negative and aren't showing any symptoms. So I I don't understand what's going on, (laughs) but we are just wanting to be cautious uh, because we're in close proximity with someone who has tested. That's why we're wearing the masks, and that's why I'm giving you a hug from up here, and uh, just feel hugged, (laughs) feel loved, and feel like uh, you are, you belong. Okay. Um, just wanted to share that with you. Right. I, I'm going to start preaching now. <laughs> uh, just let uh, for the for the uh, recording. Well, this morning um, we're going to continue our look at uh, Acts chapter 14, and I. Am excited about what happens when we walk with Jesus. I, I know a lot of folks think that when we walk with Jesus, everything comes up roses, and it's just not that way. You know, they seem to think that if I put all my hope in Jesus, then everything's going to turn out fine. Well, in heaven, it will. <laughs> it will, but it's amazing the kinds of issues that you can encounter with people in this world. I mean, people are very strange. I I remember when we started our work in Germany, we had, um, we we did a lot with young people. And so we had all these young people that were coming and getting saved. They were getting off drugs. They were stopping their promiscuous lifestyles. they, They were being radically transformed and they would go back home and want to help out in the house and be obedient to their parents and things like that and the parents got mad at us. I'm sitting there going, you know, I can imagine if I were trying to get your kid to, you know, become a drug addict and and go out and, and get in fights and everything else, then maybe I would understand your position, but we're trying to have him become a good citizen at home and at school and do well in school. And why are you mad at us? <laughs> I mean, it was a, it was the most uh, incredible thing. We had all these young people that get saved and they would go home and tell their parents. The parents would go tell the Lutheran pastor and the Lutheran pastor would come around to the house and say, keep them away from those people. <laughs> and I, I'm just sitting there going... Dear me, you know, why do people react in in that way when you're trying to have folks become good model citizens and at the same time to help and be be encouraging and uplifting? What's the matter with this world? Why do people get so upset? What, What was it that I read yesterday? That in Texas in the library they got so mad that they had to Cast out all of their LGBTQ, whatever that is, books that they threw out the Bible as well. <laughs> they removed the Bible from their shelves. I'm going, there's something strange about that kind of behavior. So we're going to uh, look at this from, the, you know what happened? We started in 13 where they got up to Pisidian Antioch. And all these people were getting saved, especially a lot of Gentiles. It's mostly Gentiles that lived there, right? And so the Jews started to get jealous. And so they started to uh, get people riled up, and they were going to uh, stone uh, Barnabas and Paul. And so they left Pisidian Antioch, and they then went on to uh, Iconium. And when they got there, again, the same thing starts to happen, except there not only are people believing, but a lot of people are getting healed. God is on the move. He's touching people, transforming their lives. And the same thing happens that there are people that come down from uh, Antioch and they start to raise a ruckus and say, these guys are terrible. I mean, seriously. (laughs) <laughs> you know, where, where, where do you get that? What did they do that was so horrible that it caused this kind of a reaction? Well, they'll pick it up here in verse 5. But the multitude of the city was divided, and some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and to stone them... They became aware of it and fled to the cities of Lycanonia and Lystra and Derbe and the surrounding region. And there they continued to preach the gospel. And at Lystra there was sitting a certain man without strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke. Who, when he had fixed his gaze upon him and had seen what he had, that he had faith to be made well, said with a loud voice, "Stand upright on your feet." And he leaped up and began to walk. And when the multitude saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice, saying in the Lycaonian language. The gods have become like men and have come down to us. And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, They tore their robes and they rushed out into the crowd crying out saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you in order that you should turn away from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And in the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways. And yet, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. And even saying these things, they with difficulty restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having won over the multitudes they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him he arose and entered the city and the next day he went away with Barnabas to Derbe. What an incredible story. It's not just a story, it's true. I mean, this actually happened. I'm sitting here, we're reading one of the most amazing things. By the way, in, in this, whole, this whole event, just so that you can see where we're at, I keep putting this picture up so that you have an idea. This is the first uh, missionary journey uh, that Paul and Barnabas are, are on. They went from Antioch here down to Iconium and down here to Lystra, Lystra, and now they're getting ready to leave to go to Derby. This whole journey, there and back, took about two and a half years. It started in the spring of 44 and went to the fall of 46. And so to give us an idea, this is two chapters that we're reading in the Acts of the Apostles, uh, or Acts of the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it, and in this particular book, in the two chapters, we're covering uh, two and a half years. And and it takes time to walk, (laughs) okay? It's not just something that happens overnight, but in this walk that they have through first through Cyprus, this island down here, and then their walk through uh, central, north and central Turkey. Um, there is an incredible experience. Everywhere they go, God is moving. They, they are seeing something happen, both within the Jews whom they proclaim to be the Messiah, and they say, look, All of the promises that God has given in the Old Testament are being fulfilled in Jesus, and some of them are believing. The fascinating thing is that not just the proselytes, that is the Gentiles who became Jewish in their faith, but you also have now a whole bunch of these people who worship idols and all kinds of gods. Remember I said that in... In uh, India, they have over 300 million gods. How can you remember their names, you know? I mean, just the way, the way people think is just incredible. In, in Egypt, they would worship the sun and the moon. And, and, and I mean, just they, they, they didn't know how to deal with creation. And then to say, wait a minute, there's only one God who is the Lord of heaven and earth. He created all things and he has blessed you with good things. And he wants you to turn from serving all these fake things to serve a living God. Now, in the middle of all of this, you have a lot of Gentiles that are... That, that, anybody here a, a Gentile? <laughs> That's all of us, okay? That's all of us. And the, the truth is that the, these folks are turning to fall in love... With the Messiah. They are experiencing something. It's not just that he's talking about, he's not just talking about things uh, uh, that are intellectual. He's not just discussing with them um, it matters uh, uh, of theology. He is sharing with them that Jesus, alive, from the dead is the promise giver and the promise fulfiller and he will fulfill his promises in your life. Your heart is the place where God comes to earth. Your life is the one that, that God fills with his life, his character, his joy, his love. That is where God wants to come and live. That's where he makes his temple. And when you gather together, that's where he is worshipped. Just like we have been doing here this morning. <laughs> it hasn't changed. It's this, that part of it is still the same. They may sing different songs today than they sang back then, and they sang probably with very off-key tones, and they didn't have lovely instruments like what we've got here, but that doesn't make any difference. <laughs> People can, can, can worship God when they have experienced the life of Jesus. I, I ought to bring my thumb piano sometime. Have you ever seen a thumb piano? Was it, anybody know what a thumb piano is? <laughs> I didn't know what they were either until I went to to Uganda. and I was out in the, in, in, in the northeast of Uganda, they were going through they just had a war driven Idi Amin, horrible man, killed over three hundred thousand people, a whole bunch of Christians, and a you know, horrible, horrible dictator. And so they had chased him out. And they had left the northeast because that's where he had gone through. It it was devastated and then they had a drought. So there was a famine and in that famine was my first visit to Uganda. And uh, it was incredible to see how God moved. But um, people would come around and because they didn't have any instruments, what they did is they took bicycle spokes and they hammered them out on stones, with stones and flattened them out and then they made a little box with a a hole in the back and they put different uh, sizes of all homemade bicycle spokes and then they would hold this box and they would play it with their thumbs and it made a noise and they sang to it. I mean, it wasn't tuned or anything, but they just had a great time and they would worship God with their thumb pianos. And I'm sitting there going, this is incredible what what happens when people experience Jesus their lives are changed from the inside out now paul is preaching and he turns to a guy who was lame for a man a man i mean he's got to be at least 18 who has never walked lame from birth that means no muscle His sinews are are there, but they're not functioning. They're not working. He's never used his his, uh, knees. Uh, He's never used his hips. None of that. Can you imagine how emaciated the man looks? And his inability to function the way anybody else is, but when he's preaching about Jesus, he looks at the man... And he recognizes that that man has faith to be healed. Something transpires when he looks at him and he says, This man has faith to be healed. And he says, In the name of Jesus, get up. And suddenly, can you imagine what happens? The sinews start to get strong. The muscles start to grow. You hear the bones starting to creak around the ankles and the toes and everything else. And suddenly, his hips start going into place, and he jumps up. And everybody sits there, and, and they are astounded that suddenly, before their eyes, muscle is being built. And this this fellow starts running around, going nuts. <laughs> He's going nuts. <laughs> It's kind of like what Bob was sharing this morning. <laughs> you know, he, he started to walk and he was grateful that he takes, doesn't take it for granted that he can walk. And I'm sitting there going, what an incredible, amazing event. Now, I find it fascinating that every time that God starts to move, he moves because there is an action of faith. Now, I'm not going to spend any time going into this because we we would spend weeks on it. <laughs> but you remember the, the four, Michael, when uh, Michael Clore was here, he preached on the four men that lit down the paralyzed guy through the roof to Jesus' feet. And Jesus, looking up, saw their faith and said to the man, your sins are forgiven. Then turned to the guy so that you know that the Son of Man has the right the ability and the authority to forgive sins, he said to the man, get up and walk. And, and so, you, you know, that's the same thing. Whether the faith was present in somebody else, whether the faith is present in the person that's there, you have the, the, the centurion who says to Jesus, you speak the word and my servant will get well. And Jesus says, I haven't seen such faith in all of Israel. And so he, he, he says, go back. And by the time he gets back, He finds out that his servant has been healed. You see that whatever God does, it doesn't necessarily mean that it happens because people do a particular thing or say a particular formula. It's not a witchcraft. It's something what happens when people encounter Jesus. God gives faith. And when there is faith, there is activity. Now, that activity can be any kind of thing when we respond to Jesus with the faith that he gives us. The first act of faith is to repent of our sins and ask Jesus to come into our lives and take possession. That is the first act of faith. If you believe that Jesus is alive from the dead and has died to save you from sin, then you need to repent of your sin and allow Him to take over control of your life. We we demonstrate that faith by getting into the waters of baptism, being buried with Christ, and raised with Him to the newness of life. That is what happens when people get saved. It's an amazing thing. That is the greatest miracle. Why? Because it means that you will live forever with Jesus. Not something that passes away. It's not just an idea. It's not just a philosophy. It is something that God works by faith and He gives that faith to everyone who believes. Now beyond that, life becomes an adventure. Now, when when Paul and Barnabas left Iconium, not wanting to get stoned, so they flee and they go on this long walk down down to uh, Lystra, and they get to uh, Lystra, did they know that that guy was going to be there? Did they know that he would have faith? They hadn't a clue who was going to be there. I mean, they're they're the first apostles to come to the city and they get into the city and and it's interesting, the city gets divided up while they're preaching, but while they're preaching, there are people that are being saved and something begins to happen when he turns and he sees this man and something transpires. God is speaking to Paul, God's speaking to the man, and that comes together and something dramatic happens. Let me tell you something. Uh, I I look for adventure when I'm walking with Jesus. (laughs) Okay? It's going to be an exciting thing. But do all the people that I meet get healed? No. Walking with Jesus is something about what he is doing. It is an exciting adventure. And we live from moment by moment because when the Spirit of God speaks to us, then we respond to what he's saying at that moment and we have no idea how that's going to respond and how it's going to develop. Did Paul and Barnabas uh, imagine, perceive, have any idea that by speaking to this lame man, that the city would want to worship them? (laughs) They, They saw this and said, the gods have come to us. Now they're telling them not to worship the gods. They're speaking against idolatry and against all of these, and yet the... The priest from the temple of Zeus is coming with oxen and garlands and is going to sacrifice to them. And they're saying, no, don't do it. We're just people. It has nothing to do with us. It has something to do with Jesus who is alive from the dead, the living God. Put your hope and trust in Him. (laughs) Do you know how fickle people are? They... They go from wanting to worship them to becoming a lynch mob. I mean, these guys, we see this amazing miracle, but, but they're becoming a lynch mob, and they're going to stone them, and they go from, what a dramatic change, from saying these people are gods, and we're going to sacrifice to them, to hating them, all kind of like in the same day. I am sitting there going, you know, I I don't understand personally. I I failed to comprehend why people would not want to receive the grace and love of God, a free salvation, a change of heart, security in their life. Why would they not want to do it? Did Paul come to Lystra with the intention of being stoned? No, he just left Antioch and Iconium (laughs) because he didn't want to get stoned. (laughs) He just fled from those places, didn't he? And yet, in his defense to say, listen, we're just people. We don't have any supernatural powers, but we believe in the one who does touch and change and transform and and bring up some, what an adventure he's having, right? First of all, all these people getting saved, people getting healed, and now getting stoned with stones. <laughs> he the, you, you know, I just have to walk past my holly bush at, at, at home, and, and I get little bleeding bits, you know. Can you imagine what happens when you start getting rocks thrown at you? And not just one or two, but a whole bunch of them, because people are mad enough that they're throwing them hard enough with the intention of killing you. Your whole body ends up bleeding and and being cut, and you're losing your strength. You fall to the ground Paul's going to be remembering Stephen at this moment of time where he had held the coats of all the people who had stoned Stephen and had agreed that he ought to die. And he's probably thinking, this is it for me. They pick him up and drag him out of the city to get rid of him so the stench doesn't last in this. He just did all these incredible miracles. And they leave him out there to die, and the disciples gather around. I assume that they're praying. It didn't say specifically what they did, but I assume that they're praying. And now the guy stands up. Wait a minute. (laughs) The guy was left for dead. And now he gets up. Look at, compare, compare Paul's response to the situation as the way the people responded to the situation. The people responded, they responded by getting angry and mad. Paul gets up and he goes back into the city. Does he go back in and say to those people, ha, 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 look what you thought you did? He doesn't do that. He doesn't go back in and say, I want to tell you about a God of power. He doesn't do that. He doesn't go back and use any kind of wisdom to discuss with them anymore about what's going on. He goes back into the city that just threw him out, literally. He is not going to yield in every case. He's going to stand strong for the gospel and the reality of who Jesus is and he will not back down even if it costs him his life. He has not given up. And he goes back in to the Christians in the city to encourage and strengthen them. To be sound and secure in spite of whatever happens within this city. Because when he moves on, he's going to leave a group, a fellowship of Christian people there who are going to be walking with Jesus as well. And they don't know where their walk with Jesus is going to lead them. They don't know whether it's going to go through incredible signs and wonders or whether it's going to go through a valley of death. They don't know the direction when they're walking with Jesus. They only know it's an adventure and Jesus is with them. And He'll be with them and continue to be with them for the rest of eternity. Their their hope and their security is not in the things of this world, but in the things that the blood of Jesus has purchased for them. What an incredible response. Paul goes back in to strengthen those who believed. He says, Listen, they left me for dead, but here I am to continue to encourage you in your newfound faith. Don't leave or walk away from Jesus. See, the, the difference is people have their, their even witchcraft and everybody else, they, they got their ways of doing things and they think that with a particular uh, kind of tradition, if we do this, then God will do that. And, and it, it's not that way. Living with Jesus is, is a live adventure when, when When I left the United States and went to Britain, I didn't go because I wanted to be a missionary. I went because I was in need and that was the church that I knew I could go to that would accept me and would help me. I turned out that I became a missionary because I was there (laughs) and started preaching and started traveling and just walking with Jesus step by step. Did I have any idea that I was going to be visiting over 90 countries around the world? I had no idea. I didn't know any of that. The life with Jesus is an adventure. It's an adventure. Whether you're getting stoned or whether you're seeing incredible miracles. All of it is the relationship that you have with Jesus and you just walk on as though this is normal because it is normal within the life of a Christian. (laughs) We start to respond because God imparts faith for individual things within our lives and then we start to see it happen and take place. The building of the church was not built around Paul and Barnabas. Each one of these churches that they started, or all the little house churches that they started, the communities of faith that they began, continued after they left. Because They taught them as individuals and as groups to come together to seek the face of God, to hear what God is saying, and to do what God tells them to do. It's a relationship. And when you have as the focal end point of that relationship in eternity in heaven with with God the Father and with His Son Jesus... (laughs) You take a look at the situation very differently. You see, Jesus did the same thing. He went around healing all who were sick and oppressed by the devil, and the very people who had been healed, who had been fed by Jesus, turned around and cry out, crucify him. And they crucify him and he is dead and buried. And on the third day, he rises from the dead. And he gives life to the very people who were, cru- who were there to crucify him. The grace of God is powerful. And now... Paul has just gone through that experience himself. From seeing the power of God begin to touch a whole community and then to experience what happens when that community rises up against him, leaves him for dead and bleeding, and he gets up alive as though from the dead and he ends up back to communicate with the people that had just given their lives to Jesus. Wow! He shares in the very life of Jesus and sees that he has been so honored by God to walk in that kind of modeling the life of Jesus. His whole focus is that we want to share this grace of God that He gives, whether our lives are in great turmoil or whether our lives are in great blessing, whatever it is, we walk with Jesus and we're walking towards a goal that is not going to be taken away from us. What an incredible journey. And the question that this passage makes us focus on is will we walk with him ourselves? See, it's not about somebody coming in and and doing the walk for us. We don't want to be observers of how somebody else does their walk. We want to be walking with Jesus. Encountering adventure with Jesus. And you know where that starts? It starts when God speaks to our hearts and we get up out of our seat and we walk to a, a place like an altar. Use our mouth to say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. It begins when God has spoken to our hearts and we say, Jesus, I can't get rid of my own sin and my own guilt my own shame, but I have give it to you. That's where it starts. It starts with a personal faith where you respond and you take a step of faith just away from this altar, but through this life into eternity. The adventure is an offer to every one of us. And if you have given up and tried to to do this on your own and you forgot that it's out of relationship with Jesus, the decisions that you make are in relationship with Jesus, the, the things that you do are in relationship with Jesus, if you've forgotten that, then repent, come back and say, Lord, renew my faith in you. Let's begin this walk again. I remember what it was like when I first started. We're going to sing a final hymn. I don't know how your walk with Jesus is going to be. I just know that you can begin it here and you can continue it here. This is the place where we want to start with our adventure of faith with Jesus.